Connection. It is Friday, and as always, you know what that means. I am Jordan Duncan, host of You Know What That Means, the AEW podcast. With me, as always, is my co-host, Andrew Reich. Andrew, I'm going to bring you in right away because we got a lot to talk about, don't we? Yes, yes. <laughs> I was going to break out in my Sarah McLaughlin. <clears throat> I will remember you. Will you remember me? So if, if you're listening to us, just play a slideshow of uh, a neck tattoo, uh, Brandy Rhodes promo. <laughs> of somebody with their back on fire from a flaming table. Right, right. <laughs> I, I feel like we need to make this disclaimer every episode. This is episode 12 of our podcast, by the way. Thank you, as always, for listening to our faithful. And if you're a first-time listener, thanks for finding us. Uh, subscribe to the feed and uh, listen to all the other great wrestling shows out there. But uh, we drop on a Friday, but we tape a couple days before that. We are talking on Tuesday night right now. Uh, the day that the news broke uh, about Cody Rhodes, and we are an AEW podcast. We like to recap the news and the notes. Normally, it's in-ring stuff, but today a big bombshell dropped, and uh, I'm guessing it's going to eat up a lot of our time tonight because one of the founders of the company is gone in Cody Rhodes. Um, you texted me early this morning uh, that Sean Ross, Sean Ross Sapp was going to drop something, the Woj of the wrestling what, world. What, what, what is? It's not. We can't call it the Woj bomb. That's in the web tradition. Yeah. Like, the sap tap yeah. or the, sap, the 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 scoop there is no dude when i go to my twitter you know the algorithm knows what you look at the most yeah and when i hit the top of it when i refresh if the first three letters i or the first three words i see are fightful select reports <laughs> i know shit went down yep <laughs> well you had texted me and you said he's gonna report something so i went to his twitter and he just tweeted a bunch of eyeballs so he hadn't reported yet within 10 minutes uh, the news came out that Cody and AEW are parting ways. He hasn't been released. It's just uh, as we've talked about on this podcast, and you know, really AEW His fans probably know. Expired. Yeah, he's yeah. been he's been working on a handshake deal for a while, and it came out today that uh, they couldn't make a deal. And uh, yeah, Cody and Brandy are gone. I guess first things first. What's your gut reaction to that? Um. A genuine surprise. Yeah. I thought that I thought that Cody was going to wind up staying and keep a pronounced role is what I think I said on the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the development was not shocking. If this had popped, if this news the way it was exactly reported, if that had come out from SAP in January when the first inkling of this happened, yeah. Oh my God, that would have been the bomb, the the bombshell to end all bombshells. But yeah, especially before the Rumble, because then all of a sudden it was going to be like he's going to be in the Royal Rumble. You know. No, but we had that one month uh, moment, like period where it, it stewed, and they had even like a promo where Cody sort of, not he pretty much heavily leaned into mm-hmm. the whole development. Had a match where he dropped the TNT title to Sammy Guevara in a great ladder match, and unbelievably, it has turned out to be so far in his career his last AEW match. Yeah. Which uh, I saw something on Twitter today. It was also his first AEW match was against Sammy, so he bookends well, his career. Well, dynamite. With, yeah, his dynamite. Yeah, so he yeah. bookends his uh, dynamite career with matches with Sammy Guevara. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, and he won the first one, and he put him over in the second one. Yeah. So it had some symmetry to yeah. it. Yeah, and, and and again, we we say Cody, Cody, Cody. It is official that Brandy is also leaving. I know they're. Some people might wonder just because, you know, I mean, we got plenty of examples of husbands and wives who one works for one, one works for the other. But Cody and Brandy both leaving AEW. Dustin Rhodes, however, 
sticking around. So yes, he's uh, um he said that almost immediately on social media that I'm I like it I like AEW and I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, you know anybody we every, we everybody can launch whatever jokes they want to about you know well what contribution did Brandy make? Brandy was the chief brand officer. Yep. So she was in the front office, uh, playing playing her role and helping with mold backstage the backstage a lot of charity on. stuff. Yep. Doing the charity, the heels, um, the AW heels, which is like the female centric community, mm-hmm. uh, community outreach stuff. Actually, Cody Rhodes' Twitter was connected to the AW community outreach group, and he, they kind of had to move that around, yeah. so that Cody could have his Twitter back as a personal account since he's no longer affiliated with them. That was the first moment when I was like, "All right, this is not a work." I, yeah, I yeah. Because when real. you and I were first texting, I think I said, "I go." Eh, I don't know, man. Because I mean, it's wrestling. Like as, yeah, as long time never. as long time fans, our our radars go up. Like, is this real? You know, and uh, like you said, then the tweets come out from Tony. It's like I'm wishing them well, Tony Khan, and uh, everybody's retweeting. It's like, okay, this might be a legit thing. <laughs> he might actually be gone. So. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and we're not and we're not giggling and laughing about it and singing Sarah McLaughlin because we are happy about what's going on. Like, uh, it's a sad. Uh, let me ask you this, and we can just bounce off of each other with it. <laughs> Is this a sad day for AEW for all elite wrestling? Like for the company or for like me as a fan? Like for the for the company, I would say. Um, I mean, I think there has to be some bittersweet. Like, I mean, everyone's heard the stories about, like, there's some tension between the Bucks and Cody and Kenny and stuff like that. But, I mean, I, I feel like you can have tension in a relationship and never expect it to necessarily end. You know, but it not can to, be fruitful. Yeah, yeah, not to say that their relationship is They may still work it out as friends and stuff like that, but their business relationship has ended. You know, so um, it probably is a sad day. I mean, he's... I think even more than the Bucks and Kenny, I think Cody was instrumental in getting this company off the ground. You know, when he left uh, WWE, like he famously tweeted a dream match list that you uh, perfectly mocked today in Twitter. <laughs> uh, for those who follow me at Andrew, you can read it for yourself. I don't even remember what I wrote, but yeah, I think his, I wrote Roman Reigns' name like four times. Yeah, his WWE dream matches, <laughs> Roman Reigns eight times, Madcap Moss. <laughs> Monsoor, Goldberg and Saudi, yeah. and Roger Strong. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Which yeah. was actually on the first one. <laughs> That's your work rate match. <laughs> so, but but the thing is, the thing is too. Like with um, we, we were talking about like, well, should the beast feel sad? Some people are feeling like, oh, he was kind of in the way, and he mm. wasn't. He's not the needle mover, the work rate guy like the young guns are, CM Punk and Brian Danielson. So it kind of gets the clutter out. So I know a lot of people are kind of like, almost like. Oh, like kind of like half stickering, like, oh, yeah, I guess that's a shame. Oh, it looks like I'm going to have to enjoy all these other fantastic wrestlers eating his match time. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> honestly, yeah. Andrew, as a fan, I'm fine with him leaving. I, I'm even more fine with Brandy leaving. Bye. You know? <laughs> yeah. Now, the optics of it is bad. Sure. Um, when you have someone who's the founder of the company, and he he literally said that in his promo. Now, he had a promo on January 19th. And that was right after the news had broken originally from SAP on Fightful Select that he that he was a free agent, basically, mm-hmm. that yep. his contract expired. And they didn't know what he was going to say. And um, we, we talked about it a little bit, but they had had the ladder match already once we recorded again because we record every two weeks. And um, you kind of and, and then it got a little quiet, but he did confirm that the rumors were true. But the promo was interesting. So, like, I was I went back and I watched it again and. 
you know, there were like some things he said that were kind of interesting. Like he's he, when he mentioned the Forbidden Door, which a lot of people think is like sort of this like symbol for Tony Khan himself. He's if you watch it close, he rolls his eyes, mm-hmm. and then he says, "Well, I built the Forbidden Door," and then. I don't. I don't know if anyone even noticed this either, but he really went after CM Punk, like in the very beginning of the promo, where he's yeah. like, "Yeah, CM Punk on this pipe bomb." He he said he he changed wrestling business. He promised that he was going to do all these things and blaze a, a trail, but I did all that stuff and he left. And it was it was very very it was about as heelish as I've ever seen him in in AEW. But he's literally he literally says in the middle of the promo, "That's why I never turned heel because you jeered me when I didn't need when I needed it the most or something like that." Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was that promo. I don't know if you remember this. He did a backstage interview when he lost the ladder match to Sammy Guevara, which was the last one. And he, it's sort of sitting down, and there's a guy away from the camera asking him questions just so he can get some sound bites. And it seemed very, very human and heartfelt from Cody. So the one thing I remember is this, is that in the promo leading up to the ladder match on Dynamite, he says, everybody knows I hate to lose. Now, when he said that, I was like, okay, he's just kind of leaning into this character of, like, I'm the established guy, I'm the trailblazer, no one should get a win over me type of thing, trying to build up for the match. But then if you watch that backstage interview, he says one thing that really stuck out. And he said, wrestling is about the ones who win. The winners make more than the losers. Hmm. And that's when I started thinking, he might be cashing out. And that's where we're at pretty much at this point. Yeah. He worked himself into a shoot, I think is the phrase. <laughs> he's spoken he's the Lavar Ball of AEW. He's spoken into existence. Yeah, right. <laughs> but so, uh it, you know, it's 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 a really weird situation. And some people are like, Well, you made all these promises, like you called AEW the Ellis Island of professional wrestling. This is freedom. But you know, Jordan, like you just said, like relationships, even as fruitful as they can be, they do evolve, sometimes for the worse. Right. You know, not not everybody gets on the same page and sometimes when you're off the same page and i've had this in my work in my work environment sometimes when you're off the same page you can't you can't get back on it right well and it, part of part of having that freedom like they said well this is lsi and this is freedom part of the freedom is the freedom to leave too you know like yeah. you know if you, if you can't leave then then the freedom isn't as free as as advertised you know and that was that was the criticism the big swall said there yeah. was no structure and I think Tony Khan, who we clearly know now based off of interviews and him going on Barstool Sports and doing a lot more media appearances, basically show out as the head of AEW and creative and the general manager, is that he um, he, ta- he he doesn't like taking criticism. Yeah. And I wonder if that criticism about it's a little too loosey-goosey, think people kind of freelance too much, it's not structured enough. I wonder if there's some credence there because – the promos are great. The matches are phenomenal. The talent up and down the the, the the roster is great. But there maybe there is a little bit of that maybe there is too much wiggle room is what I'm trying to say. Where you have these established stars, they create a rapport with uh Tony Khan. But if you you know, like um my dad always had a phrase, you know, if you give an inch they take a mile. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing in professional wrestling. You want wrestlers to have that freedom. They're independent contractors at the end of the day. They're not employees. Yeah. But when you give that sense of liberation and freedom, and we talked about this with John Moxley with um, having to balance out his personal life and having to fix certain habits versus trying to be the, the kayfabe wild man who lunatic fringe. When it comes to like being a wrestler, you want to feel free. You want to feel like you're doing a performance. But you also have to – 
you also have to figure out, yeah, but when I when I when they work for me, there's got to be some structure. At least there's got to be a a pecking order and a chain of command, and there's got to be a totem pole. And I know people don't like hearing that because that means someone's on the bottom, someone's in the middle, someone's on the top, and there's a little bit of stasis, like stasis there. But it's something that's just understood. And what I think what happened, Jordan, is that Cody's influence in terms of figuratively and literally on the card did not match up. Yeah, Cody was in the middle, but he was a pioneer to start. Yeah, and he felt I'm not going up the ladder. Ironically, because he wrestled a ladder match to finish, mm-hmm. I'm going down the ladder. Right. And I mean that's something he's just going to have to come to grips with too. Like uh, I was, I was in a I'm in a group chat with a few uh, place to be regular Steve Willie and uh, Todd Weber's in there and uh, Steve Willie who co-host uh, the main event podcast uh, over at the place to be great show they talk about all things with scott he said he wants to and i think this would be a fun thing for us to do he wants to go down the name by name the AEW roster and say would you rather watch this person or cody rhodes this person or cody rhodes and i understand you know you don't get to the point where cody is or any of these guys without having a little ego you know you have to believe mm-hmm. in yourself and you have to believe that you're better than a if lot of people. If you don't want to be on top, you right. don't need to be there. Right. Right. But I think to Cody's detriment is maybe his ego got a little bruised in the sense that, gosh, we could list a lot of AEW people, Andrew, and say, who would you rather watch, this person or Cody? And I'm going to pick the other person in a lot of situations. And here's where – and we said this on the show a couple shows before. This is where the resentment kicks in. Yeah. I know I know Cody Rhodes probably feels this way even though he'll never say it out loud. A lot of those people that you say that you would rather see than him, they were not there first. Right. Cody was there first. And right. so when you hear, yeah, like, I mean, like, let me just give you an example. So you look at the YouTube hits, like, from the past week of, like, what's the most popular stuff. Mm-hmm. So I did a little thing. The last week, the most popular ones, Brian Danielson and John Moxley having that promo where Danielson pitched him to be, like, uh, to team yeah, up coaches. and basically yeah. take over the company. Basically be a tojo. An indie, <laughs> an indie power trip. Keith Lee's debut, two million. Uh, Punk and Moxley and FTR, two million. MJF and Punk, one million. Yeah. Hangman and Archer, like trying to bloody the shit out of each other, almost a million. The House of Black, Malachi Black feuded with Cody Rhodes, and people would rather watch his like. Oh yeah, like, in a heartbeat. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying YouTube hits are like the end all be all, but what I'm just saying is that's where the interest is. Well, YouTube and, hits combined with crowd reactions, combined with just general buzz after shows like Cody's not high on any of these lists. You know, I mean, no, he's high on the crowd reactions, but not the desired ones. But Cody is more interesting now than he's ever been. And that's the point. Yeah. And I think that's what he wanted. He wanted to feel wanted. He wanted leverage. Yeah. He wanted to be able to up his price and guess. And I listen, I don't want to talk too much about the WWE. They're on the road to WrestleMania. They're trying to up the ante. They're bringing in a lot of really big names to try to fill up that stadium in um in Arlington, I think it is, um, to try to get the big show ever. I mean, and that's not a surprise. That's what the WWE does. It's about the grandeur. It's about the spectacle, the or as their Super Bowl yeah. ad called, the stupendousness, which I didn't know was a word. <laughs> <laughs> did you see the Super Bowl ad? I did, yeah. Yeah, and but the thing is, like, what's the one thing, even though AEW and non-WWE fans or people who don't care for WWE hate the fact that this is true, what's the one thing that WWE has and they will always have over every single company that will ever exist in the history of wrestling? Money. They will, they've got exponentially more money, more revenue, which they just reported billion-dollar profits on the last quarterly call 
than any company that will ever exist, including AEW, regardless of how successful AEW becomes. So when it comes to revenue, yes, WWE is number one by a ton. In the other metrics that wrestling fans like to use, quality, uh, angles, things like that, even the ratings, like, yeah, AEW will get close, but not the money. And the WWE has decided as they get closer to the, their biggest show of the year, let's throw a bunch of fucking money at these people and see if they just take it. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll say at WWE since I, I try, I try my hardest, Andrew, to not be a WWE basher on the show, but it <gasps> is so it is so WWE for them to be like, let's steal someone from AEW and they steal freaking Cody Rhodes, <laughs> the one dude that you the AEW fans but, would be like, you can have him, some- you can have him, man. <laughs> It's like it's like Kristaps Porzingis with the Wizards. Like Dallas, the the Mavericks are like, oh, oh, you want Porzingis? Oh, okay. Oh, you offered okay. us anything? I, Literally anything? <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll give you Davis Bertans' terrible con. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. it just it, you know, by comparison, like we go back to like 1999 when WWF was hot and making all the right moves, and they took Chris Jericho from WCW, who was like a legitimately hot act that wasn't really being used right, and the fans knew like, oh my gosh, Jericho's leaving, like this is nothing like that in the sense of like Cody leaving AEW permanently is probably, there's probably a sense of relief backstage because ultimately I I do have to think that these guys, even if they disagree with him, they respect him. They respect what he brings to the table, his history with the company. And so there's going to be that human nature to, to please the person that human nature to be like, well, let's try and make this work. And I think Mm -hmm. we saw from the last few Cody promos, like that, that one you broke down, like as you're breaking it down, I'm like, it sounds like a good promo, but at the same time, here's why it's not. It was just him talking about his real life and nothing to it do was, with his on-screen act. It was angst. It was angsty. Yeah, and it was it, like it was like he was trying to dig into the psyche of it, the situation. Yeah. and this is like while he's supposed to be in a program with a TNT title, and he talks about nothing with that. He's talking about CM Punk, who he's not. You know what I mean? Like, I, I wonder if there's just a, a little bit of a sigh of relief of like, okay, he left. We didn't kick him out we can move forward and not have to really not to say that it was problematic but there was a problem there in the cody factor in the sense of you got cody you've got to do something with him but what can you do because nothing seems to be working and they right it's not for lack of trying they tried a million things with this guy in the past three four months we've like, talked about this before like they kept doing the same like uh yeah. like dishwasher cycle with Okay, we got a debut. He beats Cody bad. Yep. Cody tries to come back from from the dead to uh to uh to um, uh, rectify the loss, and he'll get the he'll win the blow off match. And they did this like three times. They did yeah. it with Brody. They did it with um oh shit, uh, Malachi. Then they yep. did it with uh, Andrade. So yeah. like, and and it, it can it be entertaining? Of course it can, because when you have Cody Rhodes is a really talented wrestler. This is a guy who like when he wrestles. Oh sure. Some people, some people are bored by him, but when he's like when he when you give him a little bit of time and you give him a good opponent, he can really like he can have like a knocked it, like a really terrific match. Mm-hmm. So even in a tag and even in a tag scenario, he can be really good. The I thing, actually think he's probably better in a tag scenario. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like when he teamed with Dustin. Yeah. When oh, he was, yeah. Um, yeah. When he was in WWE. Right yeah. There. Yep. Um, even Sammy and Sando. And but what the thing is that and you mentioned this and it's true. Uh. I th- I don't think Cody was oblivious to this. I know some people think that because his character portrays that that oh man Cody just thinks his shit doesn't stink. He doesn't realize all the discourse going on. All of these wrestlers know what's going on. Oh, yeah. All of these wrestlers are told, 
literally exponentially however much is said on social media they're told it that many more times over mm -hmm. so this man is was very aware of the, the perception of him he knew when the news broke how how the reaction was going to be and he gauged it and he even says in that uh that last backstage thing he says there's a ton of elephants in the room mm -hmm. and and we talked about workplace environments and you know have you been in a workplace jordan where like there's tension but no one's talking oh yeah it's a really weird almost guttural feeling yep. of like i know we need to do something to break the ice but it, but i don't know how to do it yeah and and sometimes like we said sometimes that separation is irreparable yeah like there is no way of bringing it back and i'm not i don't know if that's where i don't know if irreparable differences got between tony khan and cody rhodes i'm sure it came down to money i mean i, I think, think money I, was a I, I think that irreparable irreparable differences got between cody rhodes and the aw fan base though i think that's something we could actually say oh the feud of the year yeah like <laughs> like i i don't think like I guess they're trying to go for like a Cena type thing when Cena was at his peak, but there was Cena, also Cena there was also that big pocket of people that liked Cena, you know, like yes. like Cody's. And and here's the thing: I said this before. Like, I'm not a fan of Cody Rhodes per se. Like, I don't dislike him. I feel like that hatred was really unwarranted. Like, the, the people treated him like, oh, he 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 goes over everybody stuff. Cody Rhodes laid down for pretty much everyone he was ever in a program with. Yeah, he might have won blowoffs, but he got his butt whipped. The entire way there, like yes. the guy did a ton to build the promotion, to build other stars, to build people, um, and so I think that you know when we when we get separated from it a little bit more, I think maybe fans might look back a little more fondly on them than they are right now. Like some of them are, and I'm one of them. We're doing victory laps, like we don't have to watch Cody on TV anymore, and maybe more so, even more so, we don't have to watch yeah, Brandy anymore. Term, you know? In the short term, I guess for fans, they was they're going to see that as a W. Yeah, like, but in the long term. I really believe it's an L. Like I, and I think the one who's taking the L really hard is going to be Tony Khan, yeah. because they're they're going to have this perception, and the WWE fans, and regardless of whether or not people want uh, want to pay attention to it or not, the toxicity of it is going to be, they're going to the WWE will twist the narrative, you know, because they want to weaken the opponent, of oh Tony dropped the ball and we took advantage of it, because I'm pretty sure Vince McMahon and Nick Khan and the people who run WWE they got sick as shit of hearing about all these stories of, ah, they screwed up Adam Cole's uh, contract and AEW swooped in like like Bert, like Batman in Gotham City and just took him away from him, and I'm sure they got really tired of hearing that all the time, and, they're like, and Vince and whoever is now in charge of the, the real big decision maker, I guess Nick Khan said, you know what? Fuck it. Let's take a firing shot at them and let's see how they react to it. But, We're not at that point yet because the dynamite has not taken place after this. But I will say this. It's not just signing a guy. WWE has to sign a guy and then use him better than AEW did, which is really what the AEW fan base kind of says is these guys get used better. These guys get, you know, like done right. Like Keith Lee's debut, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Like, gee, how hard was that to do? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, so, yeah, okay, you signed a guy. Are you going to WWE book him? You know, because if you just book Cody Rhodes your WWE way. That's a good point. Uh, like, he it's, it's, and, you're gonna, and, maybe Tony will come out of it being the winner, you know. Like and, Tony Cody, and Cody is unique, Jordan, because he came out of the WWE system, but he was so, what's the best word? Self-assured, self-righteous, yeah. that he was determined to, even regardless of being associated with AEW, when he was on the independent scene, he wanted to make he wanted to build everything for himself. He wanted to be a self-made man. Yep. And you know what? Guess what? 
that man is a whole lot richer than he was in 2017. So guess what? He kind of did. The winners make more. Guess what? If that's the case, Cody Rose came out the winner of this. Yep. And he owns his own music. He owns his name. He took like I think there was a situation where WWE was like basically trolling him by holding the Rhodes, the Cody Rhodes trademark hostage yeah. until they finally just gave it up. Right. And he in 2020 and he took it back. But so he owns the name. He owns the music. He probably him and Brandy probably owns the name. He probably owns the name Pharaoh. <laughs> like, yeah, right. He probably owns he's the executive producer of the of the reality show Roads to the Top, which now we're pretty sure is not going to be on TNT anymore. Let's see right. if it's on USA right after Miss right Miss and Mrs. Mrs. <laughs> yeah. A double block. header. Yeah, they could do but, uh, uh, Christy. But, what's what's the Christy show? Christy Christy knows best. Christy knows best. Yeah. Uh, but the, my whole point of like of getting what I'm saying is just that he. He's probably in a situation where now that he's signed there, he's not Roman Reigns. He actually Roman hasn't Reigns signed there in, yet. Or the, but it's likely, right. yeah. But it's likely. But once he puts pen to paper, I don't think he has a deal similar to Roman Reigns where he just has creative control. And he's yeah. like, uh, I'm not doing that. You need to redo this whole show so that to, to do it the way that I want it. And Vince McMahon basically gives him that latitude. I don't think Cody Rhodes has that, but I bet you Cody Rhodes has at least enough influence because of the money he's making to say, uh-uh, not doing that. Yeah. And, you know, Kevin, similar to Kevin Owens when he resigned, if you notice that now that Kevin Owens is there, he's getting pushed a lot and he's not being made to look like a jackass anymore. Right. Because why – it's like it's like signing – it's like in the NBA, if you sign a player to, like, huge money, what's the point of putting him on the fucking bench? Like – Mustafa Ali is a whole nother situation where he wants out, but he signed an extension last fall. That's Ali's fault. And so WWE is holding him hostage saying, no, we're not just going to cut you because you want to get cut. Um, For Cody, this is a situation where he might be able to have some perks where he says, I want to be in the WrestleMania. I want to wrestle Seth Rollins. And you know what? I want to feud with Roman after that. And you know what? I want to feud with The Miz after that. I'm sure he's got some influence there. But we're not at that point yet. And that's more of the WWE side of things. And I don't want to get delve too far into that. I'll just say I'll I'll believe that when I see it. Like, for for, for all we said about AEW being a little too loosey-goosey backstage, flip over to WWE, it's the opposite. It's almost... Nobody has any creative influence in anything. It feels like until so, the day of the show, right, right. And, and <laughs> where they like, decide to just tear up the script because Vince doesn't like one thing, right? You know, so I mean, I understand. You know, grass is always greener and stuff like that. And you know, I don't fault him for going back there, especially if they throw a ton of money at him. But it's just you know, there's 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 repetition, and like I, I don't think Vince is likely to change at the ripe old age of what is he now seventy nine, seventy eight years old. So. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, and did the, it, it did, the WWE, did the WWE fan win in this situation? Kind of did, but sure. here's what makes me upset, and it's just inherent within the the dynamic between AEW's roster and WWE's. When you look at AEW's roster, when Punk, Danielson, and Cole went there, it was like, holy crap, the possibilities are endless. They could do this, they could do this, they could wrestle this guy, they could tag up, they could do this. When Cody goes to WWE, the possibilities are limited yeah like yeah. and on the on the go he like the fight he roman gets he can fight seth <laughs> like i think you listed yeah. everybody you know yeah and so. monsoor yeah. but um <laughs> but the but the thing is like is that gonna be enough 
to keep the fans satisfied if you're a WWE fan. Right. Maybe. It depends on what satisfies you. I do like the idea that people who despise Cody Rhodes when he was all in, no yeah. pun now, intended. Now are suddenly wearing their Stardust gloves. Now again. that he's all out, no yeah. pun intended. They yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I would just say, you know, with WWE, like, I, I could be proven wrong, and if I am, whatever. It wouldn't shock me if three months from now he's losing by roll-up on Raw and dancing backstage and just people are like, what happened to this guy? You know, just because there's a track record. Yeah, there's a track record of that. Like, I don't think he'd stoop that low, but like, like, is Shinsuke Nakamura really a big deal anymore? You know, like, and look at him when he came in. So, I don't know. Um, How about this? Uh, since he is gone and he was one of the founding fathers of the company, uh, how about we do some best worst of Cody in AEW to commemorate his run? Uh, I think we've been a little critical on him, but I don't think we've been overly critical. I don't think we come off on our shows and you who are listening, if, if we are, feel free to let us know. No, I I don't think we're as toxic as like Twitter, but we're, I think we're objective. You know, if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. I'm not going to just say something's bad no matter what. We're like the Watcher in Marvel. Right, just obs- exactly. <laughs> I just sit in the shadows and lurk. Like staying. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, but you you gave me your answers. And uh, so the best and worst of Cody Rhodes, the best match of his in AEW history, your pick was, uh, well, I'll let you share it. It's It was Dustin Rhodes in the double or nothing, the very yeah, first. I mean, mine's the same I, one. It's like, a great, great yeah. freaking match. Yeah, it really is. I was trying to think, okay, what's something a little different than that? But that match was so awesome. No, yeah. he had some great. The Brody Lee dog collar match is really great. Yeah. Um, and uh, he had one with Darby Allen at Full Gear that was very good. Um, that I really enjoyed. Um, and I'm trying to think. And the Sammy Guevara ladder match. I even right. like um, the the NWA title match with Nick Aldis. At was, all in. Yeah, at all in was like such a different like when you look at that show and like how wild everything kind of was, and then that was like a traditional wrestling match. And Cody had that crowd like in the palm of his hand. He was, he was the hero's hero that night too. You know. Yep. And I, I've always I will always pop for what we always call a bread finish, which is yeah. any match that was ripped off from a Bret Hart match. Yeah. Because you always rip off the master. See, I, Punk I saw that doing it and it worked out well. Yeah, I think that one was so good because in a show where like everything was like. Bigger spot, bigger spot, bigger spot. These guys are like Joey Ryan doing yeah, yeah. penis things. Yeah, these yes. guys are like, let's slow down and do traditional old school wrestling, and they they controlled the crowd. It was like a master class of, yeah. of owning. That's the crowd. a guy who's just I don't know if it has to do with just like maybe people who all this who are yeah like people who like Bruce. There's a rumor that Bruce Pritchard doesn't like him, so mm. he just doesn't because he's the head of creative now in WWE. So like that he'll never get that opportunity, and that Tony Khan's not high on him either, and he's sort of run his course in Impact, so he doesn't want to spin his wheels by mm. going back there. You know, NWA. I know Scott's a big fan. It has a, it, the the thing that's interesting is that you know Matt Cardona is there now. Cody and Matt are best friends. Matt Matt and Chelsea Green just got married. I'm pretty sure Cody went to the wedding. Um, and so I wonder if there's a stopgap. Like, let me ask you this, and we can kind of get back into the best ofs and worst ofs. Like, do you think Cody Rhodes is all out? Or do you think maybe this is one of those things? Because he did tease that they're going to do something that they've never that's never been done before. Do you think there's maybe loopholes in the contract with WWE where, you know what, if I want to show up at AEW and NWA, I can. And there's nothing you can do I about just, it. I can't picture Vince McMahon allowing that. That's... 
I, I can't we're, picture it. We're in unprecedented times, Jordan. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Stone Cold Steve Austin at 57 years old might wrestle at WrestleMania. Definitely not. <laughs> definitely not AEW loophole. But, I mean, maybe, like, other types of shows. I, I just can't imagine another show on cable television, Vince, allowing a wrestler to actively... So you're just shooting that, that down completely. Yeah, I, I think so. Like, and, and if there is that loophole, then he's going to have him pinned on WWE TV as often as possible. Yeah, like Taz. Remember yeah. when they... Taz yeah, when Taz was ECW title, champ and Triple H beat him in like six Triple minutes. Yeah. <laughs> on SmackDown. Right. I was like, oh, why did... Of course you did that. And then uh, I think he... Yeah, he had him beat Benoit because Benoit had just won the WCW title. Yeah. Uh, on Sold Out and he left. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't put it past Vince, but um, yeah, best match. I, I agree with both. Yeah, okay. Worst match. How? What was your pick? This is a good choice, by the way. Jake Hager at Fighter Fest in Daly's place. Yeah, in 20... I mean Jake Hager. It was a Hager... 15 minute match. It was a stinker. Uh, there's another one that I know you're gonna pick, but like the, uh, I, I mean Jake Hager, he'll be back. We could talk about that later. I'm bummed. Next I thought night. he was one of the guys that was gonna that they were just going to let leave with the contract up, and they're sure he was on Dynamite. I'm like, this man was the big surprise on the first ever Dynamite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first, uh, like, <laughs> it's like, remember when the Lakers won the Western Conference Championship in a game because Kareem Rush made six threes? Yeah. Like, it's like, that will never happen again. <laughs> He's a guy that I just, there were so many times where I wanted to believe he was better than what he was, and... Time and time again, he's proved, no, I'm not good. Don't believe in me. <laughs> well, you you were hoping he was going to be like filthy Tom Lawler. Sure. That's what you were hoping for. Because yeah. Tom Lawler has become a nice like performer in the professional wrestling ranks yeah. with MMA experience. And he yeah. melds them together. He just never did it. And this did not work. Like, <laughs> Cody well, does not do strongman stuff. Speak to Cody's credit, you know, like I, like I said, I'm pretty critical of him. But to think of a worse match is kind of tough because he doesn't generally have bad matches. I agree. I was it was hard to find bad ones. Yeah, for me, I went with uh, Anthony Agogo, uh, or mm. whatever his name is. That was the only one I could really think of. That was and, a ten minute match. Yeah, ten minute match that did not need to be nearly that long. If anything, it should have been. You know, first of all, it shouldn't have happened when it did. Um, so maybe it's more bad booking than bad match. Uh, and if it was going to happen when it did, then Cody probably should have got knocked out with that liver punch to sell it and then build to a rematch, which is kind of the Cody template anyways. And that one, that time they strayed and ended up being to me like a, a, a total swing and a miss. Yeah. So, uh, best moment. How about yours? Um, that promo in November leading up to full gear on Chris Jericho when, I don't know if you remember it, but, um, it was a promo about seven minutes long where he was basically talking about how, Jericho, the, the the first big like title feud going into their first ever uh, like going after once Dynamite started, mm -hmm. it was Cody versus uh, Jericho who had just formed the Inner Circle and Cody was in the Elite, so they were sort of like the heads of the factions and they were going head to head, and if Cody lost the world title match, which he did, he couldn't get another title shot again, which ironically he never did, but the promo was fantastic i remember it was so good that the rock even said that's an awesome promo yeah like it was like it was one of those ones where i was like turning my head and saying man that's that he really like he really practiced that one the thing with cody rose like he's very like like he hits like certain notes really well he's well he's well spoken he seems to get the he seems to hit the right beats on his interviews sometimes it comes out a little too like stilted 
and robotic this one came out really really great like he came out swinging so that was my that was probably my favorite cody moment there's some great matches that he had um in general i love the way he lost to darby allen uh when he lost the tnt title that was another favorite um but yeah that one was my favorite the promo yeah. at, uh, leading up to full gear and my best moment is what you said was your second place choice where he uh i mean sort of a layup pick you know but whatever when he gave uh Brody Lee's son, um, the the TNT title at the end of the Brody celebration episode. Just, I mean, I think that they they really have honored Brody, which I believe Amanda Huber, Brody's ex wife, is taking over that role. Yeah, that Cody, she um the community that, that relations. Brandy had had yeah. yeah or or somewhat you know I think <clears throat> Bates might be taking Brandy's spot, but yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, if you don't want to cry, yeah. don't watch the Brody. Tribute show, right. and I'm saying please watch it because it's sincere. It was so well done. It so is well a done. pro wrestling. It is a pro wrestling funeral. Yeah. It is what a pro wrestling show would be like if it was a funeral. And like it a didn't jazz- feel like they were milking it for the emotion. I think it was just genuine. You know. Yeah, it was. Ve- I mean, it had been just right after he died. Yeah. So yeah, very yeah. very heartfelt. Yeah. And Cody was there. Cody was with Amanda talking to John Huber, formerly Brody Lee's son. As he was getting sick and dying, along with uh, Biggie. Biggie was very close to John Huber. So, yeah, very, very close to the heart. So, tough stuff. Uh, And there were some other great moments, like Dustin and Cody hugging at the end of the, after the uh, Double or Nothing match. Uh, uh, The, um, oh man, the moonsault off the top of the cage on Wardlow was fantastic. So, there was other ones. Yeah. Uh, So, we go to his worst moment. Uh, I'll go first this time. Uh, I'll stick with the Agogo thing. And not only was the match bad, but the, um, The the phrase that it's been given is the Cody Rhodes solves racism promo. <laughs> if you know what, is that what about, it's called, that's what people have turned to call it. Uh, where it's kind of like it, it turned like so. So the storyline leading up was that Anthony Ogogo was a part. Well, he was with QT Marshall's group, correct? Uh, I think yes. he was. Yeah, and so he's just this up and comer with this like deadly punch, but he was like young and inexperienced and the, the story there is the vet versus the young guy and cody turns it into this thing where like a go-go is not a natural american citizen and like you came here because you're taking advantage of american freedoms and like it got all like jingoistic and nationalistic and yes you're taking advantage of american freedoms yeah <laughs> in, a, in a stadium with no people in it because we're on fucking lockdown right yeah <laughs> And like, and then he start, talks about like how he's in an interracial marriage, and he's gonna have a daughter, and like goes back to like the civil rights. It was so bizarre, and it just it was such again, uh, just like the match. It was such a swing and a miss, I, and so I tone get, deaf. That's a good way, a swing and a miss. Yeah, I felt like he was trying to get at something like that. You know, America is the melting pot of values and different ethnicity, ethnicities right. and backgrounds. Like, that's where he was trying to get to. Right. It just didn't hit right. I, I think and, where, where the, he was tone deaf to is, like, if you want to sell that point in 2021. Was this 2021 or 2020? I think it was 2021. That was 2020. Yeah. So 2020 even more so than. Oh, wait. No, I, I apologize. It was 2021. It was yeah. leading up to double or nothing. So May of 21, I think. Yes. But either way, if you want to sell America the melting pot. A white male is probably not the guy to, to be that voice. Anyone can That's achieve a, this here. Now, let me say this. Let me say this. If Tony Khan responded to Big Swole and just put that video up, that would have been <laughs> no, that would have been, dude, he might have had to resign. Draped in draped in the American flag. <laughs> oh man. 
Uh, but yeah, that that's the one that sticks out to me, and I think that was right around when he got his neck tattoo as well. So that was mine. Which and yeah, it wasn't that's your a worst moment. moment. <laughs> it wasn't a moment. It was just there. Yeah. Like, and I am not. Listen, I don't know about you, you or your, you know, people you know or your or your children. I am not a fan of tattoos. Like, yeah. not like. I remember my mom told me. Uh, that she wanted to get a tattoo like a couple of years ago, like I almost passed out. <laughs> like, like I fear tattoos the way that I fear that the Undertaker fears avocados or what are those things that they're supposedly afraid of? I've like never heard that legend. before. In my there life. is this, there is this, there is this urban legend that that Bruce Pritchard tells that the Undertaker is definitely afraid of uh, of like avocados. <laughs> wow. But anyways, I hate that. Is that what's in Paul Bear's urn all these now, years? Now, if you want to get one, and you guacamole. Like... <laughs> if, if... Okay, I'm off track now. But, <laughs> Sorry. Um, the uh, no, the thing with tattoos is that, like, if it's a form of self-expression for yourself, cool. Like sure. the Rock's got an awesome-looking one that pretty much covers the whole like what right side of his chest. Yeah. The thing is like. That screams on your neck. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. you cannot escape it. Like, when you're wrestling, when you're cutting a promo, when he shows up at WrestleMania, I'm going to see that fucking tattoo. Like, <laughs> like, is there any way that they could have just, like, cut the tattoo but kept Cody? Like, right. maybe the tattoo goes to WWE, but Cody stays. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he debuted at Revolution 2020, and that was, like... Wow, that was a horrible, horrible mistake. Like in the Hangover with the Mike Tyson, that was and the, other... the neck too. Like, ugh. yeah. My runner-up was that when they were trying to do those celebrity kind of like uh, ratings bump type of things during Daly's Place with no fans. Yeah, and the Mike they, Tyson they had stuff. around with Mike Tyson for the uh, enforcer thing for the uh, when he wrestled Archer, and then um, not the Agent Archer, Lance Archer, the Murder Hawk monster. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And the um, who who else? Oh, Snoop Dogg. That one with Snoop Dogg where he tried to jump off the top rope and he did like the worst splash of yeah, all time. Looked like he was gonna break himself because he's so the Shaq long match. And skinny. I thought the, the Shaq, Shaq match was okay. Give a pass because yeah. that was actually passably good. Yeah. Even it, even though it had, I swear to God, Shaquille O'Neal, Jade Cargill, and Red, Red Velvet. Velvet. <laughs> How he did that even slightly entertaining is a miracle. Right. Exactly. Um. Let's close it off with this. Best feud. Uh, best and worst feud. Uh, I'll, I'll go first. Um, I do like the Malachi Black story, which kind of ties in with what your choice is. Um, a lot of his feuds were kind of, they kind of follow the same template. New person comes in, lays Cody out, destroys him. Cody works his way back and then ultimately wins in the end. And that's pretty much the story of the Malachi Black feud. But this one involved Arn kind of like trying to shove him in yeah like place. losing like not pulling believing in cody anymore and saying i don't believe in you because you don't believe in yourself yeah pull it out of glock armed anderson you know like uh and those matches like the first one was wild because it was just a total beatdown, like basically a squash then the following two matches were pretty wild affairs like whole lots of smoke and mirrors you know no pun intended with cody's theme music <laughs> that might be coming back but you know um just really, really well done matches that were wild, but like didn't feel too contrived. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed that because I mean, we talked about that a few times, like what's going on with Arn and is Arn going to turn his back? And like, I remember I speculated like Arn and Tully might get together and start like a whole new horseman thing with FTR against Cody as the roads, you know, which of course that never materialized, but that's kind of the, 
the 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 staple of a good story is that you can say, oh, what's going to happen? And you've got all these different ideas of where it might go. Now, if you're let down because you want it to go one way and it doesn't, that's really on you as a fan. Um, you know, if you're convinced yourself something's going to happen and then it doesn't, you know, that's not really the fault of the company. So I, I'm not mad at AW that they didn't do the, the New Age Horseman. But I think that's a telling point of a good story is that we we talked at length. Okay, what could they do here? And there's all kinds of options, and none of them seems too out of the picture. So I really like that feud with Malachi. And your best feud? Uh, like you had said, it was kind of interlinked, but yes. um, it, yeah. And I had said it when we did year end, like Cody and the fans. Like yeah. I, I don't, and and like I said to reiterate what I said the last time is that the I don't know where it started. I want to say it happened around the time of Daily's Place, or it happened when they got back to live fans during that long year-and-a-half quarantine or yeah. year three-month quarantine, and you could just tell from the, the tenor or the energy that that the fans were not always on board with Cody, and it turned into almost like a Cena-esque situation, but even with more malice, because literally, <laughs> like, John Cena didn't build WWE or found it. Right. Like, Cody and Rose Cena always it. had the kids and the females in the crowd. Yeah. You could tell. And it was like Vince Vaughn and Anchorman where he's like, I hate you, but God damn it, I respect you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There were some moments where, especially at Grand Slam, where um, in uh, Queens, New York, when they had their biggest crowd ever, 19,000, and the entire crowd just booed him yeah. and Brandy. And it was like, wow, this is going south. So they had to kind of like, I mean, I think the finish for Malachi winning was supposed to be what it was, but um, it was it was just one of those situations where it was like, man, like it, they've lost them, they've mm -hmm. lost them, you yeah. know, like that the the horse is out of the wagon, yeah. um, and maybe this was I, this is why I was thinking this whole narrative about maybe he might leave stuff was more of him trying to rein it in and yeah. turn a turn a shoot into a work, yep. art imitating life, now. Like, it's life imitating life imitating art. Right. It's just really weird. But, um, it's and the and here's the thing this dude is the one that's going to go to WWE. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you really think he's going to go to WWE and people are going to love him? I don't care how many rah rah canned voices Kevin Dunn throws in the production truck. You're, are you going to tell me that people are going to cheer Cody Rhodes after he left AW hanging? Right. I, I mean, I don't know, man. I, maybe I'm being strong in saying to, that they, he kind of left him out to dry, but, you know, he did kind of sneak out the back door in a ways. Yeah. I agree. Um, I also think, too, I don't think we're going to see Cody go on to WWE TV and badmouth AEW, just just as an aside. I don't think we're going to get that. I don't think so, moment. but I know Roman is, and I know Seth is. Yeah, they're going to make comments about, you know, the yeah. smaller rinky-dink, you know, oh, you had to come back to the big leagues, you know. Mm -hmm. But I don't I don't think we'll get the scathing burn bridge promo from, from Cody that some people might expect, because I don't think it's... Like I said earlier in the show, I think it's maybe a work relationship ended, but maybe not a personal relationship. Just based off the the kind words that I think Tony you're gonna said have an interview with necessary. Steve Austin where they really just he just bears his soul. Yeah, not like, and it's gonna be really awkward, and it's gonna get a lot of hits on Peacock, which is what the WWE wants. You know, they want to turn into a business. The thing that's interesting for AEW, and we can expound on it. Is like, can they turn a negative? Because, like we said, I think it's, I think this is a down day for AEW fans, regardless of whether they think a, uh, Cody was contributing or not anymore. Um, he definitely was when the company started. They were, they didn't have as great of a roster as they do now. But like, can you turn a negative into a positive? Yep, is really what it's coming down to. Yep. Um, and uh, worst feud for Cody, uh, 
I agree with yours. We we picked the same one. It's uh, the QT Marshall food feud. Oh, so bad. QT is just. It's so weird to me that like this is, the people who are trainers are often so like dull and nothing in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he's a trainer and he seems to be a good one, but man, the guy does nothing. Yeah, like I've never seen a good Robbie Brookside match. Right, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> how many Terry Taylor matches are you like hunting down on your tape trader? Well, even even like another one, like uh, I was a fan of him, but a lot of people did not like Lance Storm. You know, a lot of people criticize Lance Storm for being boring and uh, yes. no charisma and stuff. I was a fan, there's but that's, there's he's only another guy, one, and I know? and I think this is why a lot of young wrestlers really love him, because they wi- liked watching him on YouTube growing up, Billy Kidman. So when yes. they meet Billy Kidman, they're like, oh yeah, I remember, you had awesome matches in WCW. Yeah. And they idolize that. Yep. These other guys, they, I mean, there's some, I mean, like, Bill DeMont did not have the worst career ever, you know, no, Steve Korea yeah. had a good career, you know, but not yeah. on that level, right. you know, they're not, it's not Shawn Michaels now, when Adam Cole said this, like, there would be weird moments where Shawn Michaels is, like, talking about, like, talking about things, and there's literally a banner of him super kicking Bret Hart at the top of the rafters, <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, it's like when Michael Jordan does those fantasy camps. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> um, switching back to Cody, I think this is an interesting thing you put in the notes, you know, uh, if Cody's wrestled his last AEW match, which he has for now, again, that door may creak open down the road. Uh, he literally went out on a high note with an awesome ladder match against Sammy. Um, had some amazing... We talked about that last uh, episode, did we not? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, with the, the cutter off the ladder, the crossroads off the ladder. I mean, just everything was so perfect. And, like, that's Cody Rhodes in a nutshell. Like, he did everything right. He had a great, great match, and the crowd just didn't... He's, cl- <laughs> he's also classy. Yeah. He's not going to take shots. I do remember, though... Um... Maybe I'm looking too deeply into it that when Brandy Rhodes was going back and forth on the microphone with Dan Lambert, mm. she made some comment to Ethan Page because Ethan Page said something. And Brandy said something to the degree of, yeah, the only reason we got you from Impact is because we wanted Josh Alexander. Yeah. And I thought that was a shoot now that I think right. about well, it. it, it, it here's why it seems like it is because that doesn't make Brandy look good. Hey, we only signed you to get the other guy and you didn't stupid. get him. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it well, makes you look now like nobody's got him because his work visa expired in the U.S. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yes. So okay. his impact contract expired as well. Wow. So now Josh Alexander is a free agent sitting in Canada. Hmm. Interesting. I know. <laughs> Might have to get past some uh, truckers if he wants to get over here. So. <laughs> well, you know, he wears that he wears that thing on his head. Maybe he can pretend to be a trucker. Wait a second. <laughs> He's got to get past truckers. Is Diesel coming back to Impact? He's <laughs> 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 bringing that big old rig. <laughs> oh my gosh! He's gonna drop it on the DS Express, <laughs> NXT Express, just like. Uh, well, t- that's too late. John Laurinaitis already killed it. <laughs> right, right. Um, something you put in our notes that I think is really funny is. Uh, I, and I, you're right because I can't wait for it either. I really want to hear Max Caster's next promo. Like, like that's here's the thing about Max Caster. Max Caster, like, there's Arthur Fleck and there's the Joker. Yeah. Tony Khan is Arthur Fleck. Yeah. Max Caster is the Joker. Yeah. Like, Max Caster says the things that Tony really, really wants to say but can't. Yeah. Because he's supposed to be politically correct. Uh, He's not always. I'll send you the link after the show. Steve Willey, our friend, went to a a wrestling show. I think it's called Warriors of Wrestling, something like that. Had Ember Moon on the show and stuff like that. But uh, the acclaimed fought 
Brian Cage, and he got cut a good promo on Brian Cage, and uh, oh, it's pretty Lord. much exactly what you'd expect. So that's pretty fun. I'll try and find the that that promo. But um, he, I think, and here this one's interesting, and I do think there is reverberations here. Um, and I don't know if this is a recruiting strategy, but it's something to look into in the future. Um, I think I'm pretty sure Max Caster was trained by uh, Cody and QT in the Nightmare Factory. Mm, I'm okay. almost sure of it. But there's a ton of people in AEW that were, and a lot of them on social media reached out immediately to send their roses to Cody on the way out because that that man trained them sure. like that man like 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 helped them from the ground up and there's three that are like the WWE has been rumored from other sources to be looking at really hard we already knew one which is MJF he's the fastest rising star in yeah. probably professional we haven't even talked about the fact that he beat CM, he beat Punk, CM in. Punk in Chicago <laughs> yeah, yeah. We talked about that, yeah. Uh, Wardlow, his his uh his counterpart, not counterpart, his like enforcer type, but yep. he's like he's Batista, on a yep. and Jade Cargill. Jade Cargill's the other one, and they were all trained by Cody Rhodes. Mm. So, do you think that this is something similar? Like, oh, the Bucks are there; they're best friends with Adam. They're gonna get Adam out of there mm. and speak it into existence. You know, yeah. you kind of wonder sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It- it's interesting. Like I talked about in our year-end episode, like what are predictions? I said somebody from AW is going to lose. Now I did not think it would be Cody Rhodes, um, but that prediction's already come true. So now we've seen someone leave AEW for WWE, and I think some AEW guys who now I would I don't think MJF or Jade Cargill or Wardlow have any reason to be unhappy right now. But there's got to be some guys back there who are like, you know, I should be on TV more. You know, I could go out there and get it done. Yeah, uh, and the fear is, and the fear is too. Like when Cody goes to WWE, if his platform launches and the and the push that he's promised is given, and he's on main events on WWE, and you're getting millions of hits and all this stuff, and your your pay rate goes up, that's envious. Yep, like that's something that you look at. Right, and then these people are going to be watching, you know. So that's mm-hmm. there's more impetus on Vince to get Cody right, which is almost like a a position of power that Cody's in because Vince can't screw up Cody if other AEW guys are watching. Oh, he can. Yeah. Oh, he, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He can't <laughs> afford to, I guess I should say, if he wants these other guys to come too. Yeah, you know? if you burn that bridge, you can't bring the other guys across. It. Right. That's a good thing. Right. So, you know. Um, anyways, I mean, there's so much other stuff to talk about. I'm kind of scrolling through our notes. Like, there's so I'll say much. one. I'll say one off the bat. Yeah. Are there any matches that he could have had in AEW that didn't happen that you wish it happened? Um... Daniel, you punk know, for me, yeah, punk. Um, I, it, that could have been such a great play on reality with punk and Cody. I, I would have liked to seen. I would have liked to see him go heel by ignoring the stipulation and challenging Hangman Page and saying, "I don't care that I'm not allowed to 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 challenge for the title. I'm the boss, and I do what I want." and awarding himself a title shot that would be a great way to have turned heel and, f- and fight hangman page because hangman page matches are bloody and cody Rhodes can be with the best of them i think that would have been a real does, does hangman page not bleed in a match i don't think like i don't think so like he I might swear, as well just cut himself before he comes the out butcher? they literally did a moment in that match where oh. because it's a texas death match but it was in atlantic city which we joked about yeah that literally like lance archer is stabbing his head with a freaking yeah which and then he put it in his mouth dude (laughs) so gross that was the exact reaction i made Um, oh does paul white finally get that dream spot that he had when he signed which is getting that judge's role on the go big show (laughs) he might 
<laughs> Paul White's Paul White's the one who's orchestrated this whole thing. He's been floating uh, rumors between Kenny and Cody this whole time to split them up just to, just to get at that spot next <laughs> to Mario to Dawson. <laughs> <laughs> and they're gonna rotate someone for the because remember they had Snoop, then they had T Pain. Yep. I, I guess because you I guess the next one is Akon, <laughs> <laughs> an upside down fifty cent, just like in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, to hit, go back to the Super Bowl, and we can get off of it. Were you happy that Matthew Stafford won the Super oh, Bowl? Oh, I was thrilled, and I, I was thrilled with how it happened. You know, again, we talked about this last episode. As a Lions fan, I always believed in him. He was comeback king. You know, Matt Stafford. I think I don't know what the exact stats are, but. He leads the league in fourth quarter comebacks over his career compared to any other quarterback at that time frame. Sure enough, fourth quarter comeback, last minute of the game. Yeah, I knew, I knew it was coming. So. But the, and the Rams and the Rams style this year was basically we're going to throw all our money at it. Fuck the future. Yeah. And do you feel like WWE's doing that right now? I don't know what they're doing, man. I I have no idea. A, let me doing. let's be real. Let's be real though, Jordan, about AEW. AEW did the same in 2021. Yeah. They were coming out of quarantine. They needed. They wanted to punch back for the first live pay per view, and they knew they had punk in the bag. They just wanted to wait for the premiere. Cole and Danielson fall into their hands, yep. and they just had this triple whammy of guys, and they basically capped out. Yep. And I wonder if that was a big reasoning behind why Cody left. It's like Cody's like, I want more, and Tony's like, I can't give you. More. I mean, it could be because you know Meltzer. We talked about how Sean Ross. Uh, Sap is really the one that breaks the news now. He's the Woj. But Meltzer's still a respected voice, and people ask him, and uh, he tweeted something that essentially said AEW is operating on a budget now, which is is smart. You know, I mean, I know the cons basically have an unlimited budget if they want it, but... You know, if you want your company to make money, you have to have some sort of structure there. Maybe that's for the just... sports for the sports vernacular, that means you're hard capped, right? Exactly. So basically, this is what I don't understand about some of the wrestling Twitter people, um, which is, there's a lot of things not to understand. <laughs> but the the one that I don't get is, oh, Cody's gone. <laughs> now we can sign Johnny Gargano, and now we can. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. The people that we have are the people that have Cody's salary. He's been off of salary payroll for six weeks. Right. So listen, let's look at it like a trade. So, like, let's say it was Cody and Brandy Rhodes, and you got Keith Lee, Adam Cole, and Kyle O'Reilly. That's yeah. a pretty good trade. Yeah. That's a pretty good trade. And you might get Shane McMahon, too. <laughs> <laughs> what if Cody, what if Cody, um, what if it flame? let's say this, what if it flames out with WWE, but he doesn't want to go back to AEW, which we could talk about that at the end of this. Sure. Um, whether he'll go back, like, whether he'll finish in AEW. But what if Cody, Triple H, Jeff Jarrett, Shane McMahon just say, you know what? We can do this too. Yeah. I don't think Triple, I don't think I don't think Triple H would just because of the last name of the family. He'd have to give up the stock options. Right, exactly. Right. But that he could be, he could be a silent investor. He could be the consortium like Ric Flair was back in the day. <laughs> the consortium. <laughs> the consortium was me. <laughs> <laughs> like the black scorpion. Right. But um but yeah, like I mean it's it's going to be interesting. Like we can pivot to that if you want. Um, like I don't think this is the end for Cody and AEW. I think he will be back. Well, Cody has to be like you know. I think fans think like, oh, we really got to him by booing him and stuff like that. When Cody Rhodes goes to sleep tonight in his mansion next to his beautiful wife, uh, with his millions of dollars in the bank account, he's going to be able to say, "I started a company." And within three years, I got Brian Danielson, CM Punk, and we're on cable television. We beat Raw in the demos. 
I don't think he's I don't think he's losing any sleep because they booed him. You know, like he right. he he's done it. He probably thinks I could do it again. You know, why why shouldn't he think that? You know? So he has every reason to be confident in himself. Yeah, and for the WWE, like they're like, well, I mean, it, it's not it's 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 normal to get people that are in I'm not saying they're trying to basically like figure out everything AEW is doing so they're getting like an inside person to basically try to sniff out all their strategies. I'm not trying to say that. But it is normal in the wrestling business to have interchangeable people mm-hmm. and basically see, okay, this worked when you were in AEW. Can you bring some of that over here? Yeah. You know, so like J.J. Dillon was an example, didn't he? I think he bounced around. Terry Taylor. Oh, my God. That was the Jimmy Jackson of uh, of freaking uh, uh, <laughs> of professional <laughs> wrestling. I can't remember which places he didn't work. Um, but, yeah, that's like a normal it's a normal thing backstage. I'm not, And I wonder if there is something there where Cody might have more influence backstage or some producer's role right. that um, or just like heavy influence in his angles that is baked into the deal that he would yeah i mean he might sign with wwe and never be a wrestler like they might not (laughs) sign him for for wrestling i mean if they have him signed i think it's foolish to keep him off tv but they might use him for his brain more than anything rather than his body you know they got enough bodies out there i think he'll be back in AEW at some point i do too like AEW will out will will definitely live long enough for cody to for this deal to run its course i mean this is essentially the dream of kenny omega the bucks and cody and Tony Khan got in there as, as their money guy. These guys built this th- together, and that's something that can't be broken. I don't think it can get ugly in the in in the in the middle of it. But I think mm-hmm. absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I think remember that, the Beatles had a fifth drummer, right? That, <laughs> yeah, that never made it, right? Yeah. So like a bass drum, bass player, I don't remember. But I, I think <laughs> that I think that what they did, and as long as AEW continues to succeed, which you know I, I'm optimistic that it will, but we don't really know. Uh, as long as AEW continues to, to succeed, I think that Cody could go back really at any time. And if he's smart, he won't he won't sign a long term contract to WWE because he might want to be back in a year. I mean, look at Ali. He why would he sign a two year extension if he doesn't like it? And they just say, well, you're going to sit here for two yeah, years. And I'm not trying to poo poo on Mustafa Ali. You know, yeah. he decided he wasn't having WWE, but you did sign the deal. Yep. And yep. I mean, it is what it is. Like, well, if you want to get paid, that is. From a fan's perspective, it's kind of like. I understand why they took money, but at the same time, like, what did you expect, man? Like, we watched the shows. What did you expect creatively to happen by signing an extension? Did you think suddenly they were going to start using you correctly? Like, come on now. <laughs> and here's the other idea. Oh, well, that means WWE is going to throw money at all of them. They're going to give MJF what Cody yeah. got because Cody got something on the level of, like, let's say, like, what Roman Reigns got or or what – um, I'm just, give me another, like, kind of, like Seth Rollins yeah, got. sure. No. No, no, no. Does WWE have more money than any wrestling company? I already, I already said that. Yes, by a mile. They're not going to throw all of it. I mean, because if you got to max out Steve Austin to try to get him to right. do a few wrestling matches, then you need to spend that because Steve Austin is the most famous wrestler on God's green earth. And if you can get him in a pair of wrestling boots and stomp a mud hole on somebody, then yeah, you, it's worth it. Is it worth it to do that for Jake Cargill and MJF and Wardlow? Mm, I don't think so. There's a certain tier there right. where it's not like we're just going to throw all the money at you. But they can offer more. That's definitely the case. But we're not at that point yet. The other thing I think that's important, um, and I talk about this all the time with Adam about um, the NBA, is that the salary cap is influenced by the television contract. Yeah. And the television contracts for the WWE and the AEW, and we talked about this too, it, are they're, they're very closely – 
excuse me, very closely aligned. So AW's is in 23, and mm-hmm. I feel like Tony is going to try to leverage that as hard as possible because if you got more TV money, we saw this with the earnings with WWE over the last year or so, if you get more TV money, it opens more avenues to sign people. Yep. And I feel like they're at a point, because they signed that deal in 2020 for the one they're on now, that they're kind of capped like they have an amazing roster, Jordan. Like, amazing. This is probably the most talented wrestling roster I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But how much more can you do? Like, people are like, oh, Cody's, like I said, like, oh, Cody's gone. Let's go get him. Um, give me a random. Like, um, like Dalton Castle. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's go get this guy. Or Jeff Hardy coming up in two weeks. You know? Jeff like- Hardy, March, Tony Storm. Like, it's like Josh Alexander once he gets past the truckers. Yeah. But, <laughs> like... No, like you can't. It's impossible. And where are you going to put him? Kyle O'Reilly. I don't. I, I found out actually later that um, his, his wife just had a baby. So congrats to him. But like, there's no room. There's no room. Right. The well, it's kind of like sports fans. Think, sports fans are the same way. You know, you always think your team should just go out and sign every free agent that's out there. Well, you have to pick which ones you you really want to target. Yes. You can't sign everyone. Right. You know. And unfortunately, that means some free agents are left in the dust. You know, like Bray Wyatt's still sitting there twiddling his thumbs. I don't know if that's his choice or not, but maybe he's asking for too high of a price. I, oh, I and uh, and I got to say, because we talked about Louis Dan Gore saying in the last episode that he promised a surprise on that dynamite that we were previewing in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Dan Gore was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> now, we'll say this. Maybe Dan Gore promising that surprise, it was it, it was so significant that there wasn't one that Tony felt like, bad about it he was like okay i have to give him two of them right. <laughs> in right. atlantic city because we got two surprise debuts on that show yeah which is a perfect transition to that i mean we st- before we went on the air we we're like uh, do we talk about cody the entire episode or not i mean there's so much more we could talk about Cody. it's a but... major story up yeah I mean, like tmp is on it like would you say who would you say is the biggest how do i word this in AEW history does anyone linked with AEW more than Cody Rhodes so far in their history? I mean, it's it's got to be Cody and the Bucks for me. The Bucks, the yeah, Bucks. yeah. Like when I think, of like I think Cody more so than Kenny. Mm-hmm. I you agree know? with that. Yeah, and I'll tell you one thing. One more thing. We'll finish Cody for good when we talk about, and then we can talk about the surprises debuts. Um, I'll never forget. This. They asked. I think they asked Tony in an interview, and Tony was quoted as saying, "Like, what were your dream um, acquisitions?" It's like, if you started a wrestling company, who would you want? Yeah. And I don't know if you remember this story, but the three people he said were Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, and CM Punk. Hmm. Awesome. Do you think for Cody, maybe that rubbed him the wrong way from the start? Where it's like, oh, you think I'm just a figurehead? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? You would hope not. Not bad choices. Like, those three people are not bad choices. Sure, yeah. Now, Chris Jericho, you know, you wonder about, now you start wondering about other deals, but, you know, we, we'll get to there in the future. But, yeah, we're going to see more. Speaking like of Kenny said. Omega, this is totally random. I happened to watch a clip of him today uh, talking, and he listed his three favorite in-ring performers of all time for WWE. Do you have any Ooh, guess of who okay. they were? No, no, okay. tell me. First was Shawn Michaels. Which kind of makes sense. That's my go. Yeah. Second, uh, surprisingly, was Mick Foley. It's kind of a surprise okay. that Omega would go that way. Third one, you will you'll never guess in a million years. Ricky the said, Dragon, Steve And uh, Vince McMahon. <laughs> he said. He said when I'm just talking about just in the match from bell to bell, Vince McMahon was never not entertaining, and I was like, wow, what a weird pick. <laughs> 
I'm still decompressing from you saying that. <laughs> right? Like Mr. Uh, 8-star match I loves follow, Vince. I can't follow up on that. Right? All I can think of is when I think of Vince McMahon, I think of the Royal Rumble a, match against Ric Flair they, where he hit him with that lead pipe 45 times in a row. You know? I, I, did, did they have a concussion protocol in New Japan? <laughs> I know. Judging from the matches I watched, no. No. Yeah. Yeah, the protocol is if you can't move, you might have a concussion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was looking at the Cody's original list, and one of them was Shibata. Yep. Yep. Which, uh, for those who don't know, Shibata got this terrible, terrible um, uh, head injury from a match with, uh, I want to say it was... I think it was Ishii, I think. Yeah, and, and he got a brain aneurysm, and he yeah. he's back, but he um, almost never wrestled again. Yeah, and right. he was a guy, I mean, like, it's like no one ever told him that wrestling was a work. Like, he would legit headbutt people and, like, take just such, such stiff, hard shots. Like, I love yeah. watching Shibata, but you watch a match of his, and you're like, this guy is not going to have a long career, and he's even shorter than most people. Oh, well, like you said, yeah, though, the, he's back, but it was a pure exhibition. Like, there's no bumps or anything. It was, like, chain stuff, so he's right. kind of working his way up. It's kind of loosening up in J- in New Japan. Like there's still the clap only scenario for the for the fans, and you know they don't like they're not their 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 attendance is not picking up the way that they wanted to because of capacity limits. But they're still having matches. But Jay White shows up in AEW. Yep, yep. One of the two surprises this past uh, Dynamite was the Switchblade Jay White. Are you a fan of his? I've seen him a little bit. He's he he's one of those guys that um. I, I, he almost is like CM Punk. He thrives as the match gets goes longer. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't or know. Okada. That that, he reminds me of Okada like that. I, I don't know that that translates well to a two-hour television show. We'll see. It's gonna be hard. Yeah, I, I saw him a little bit in Impact, but I didn't really see enough of him. Like yeah, he barely I'm not, like. I'm not thrilled that he's there. I'm not like upset. Like I don't hate the guy. He doesn't do a whole lot for me. To me, he's kind of like. You know how some guys they're in Japan and people just tend to like him a little more. You get that Japan bump. You know what I mean? <laughs> like like Kenny Omega had for a long time. Like I'll say this, he has like a crazy move set. Like he can do oh, a sure. ton of stuff. Sure. Uh and, and aerial stuff got like he's he's like he's like Kenny Omega Jr. Like you know, you want to do head dropping stuff? Got it. You want me to do an awesome finisher? Got it. You want me to do like a crazy pile driver? Got it. Yeah. You want me to take a crazy pile driver? <laughs> oh, I could do that off the top row. Like he he's he's game for anything. So I'm kind of excited, but they've immediately launched him into an angle involving um the Adam Bucks. Cole the Bucks, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah, because uh, if you go back to New Japan, I don't think that he, I think he and the Bucks were on opposite ends, and uh, he's the leader of the Bullet Club. And you know, the thing is, when you're Bullet Club, you're Bullet Club for life. And he's a heel. He is a heel. Oh, yeah. I'll say that too. Yeah, he is a dick. Yeah, which obviously seems to be that's this this story seems to be tailor made for Kenny and the Bucks to be the baby faces. You know, Cole and even even Bucks said during a promo, uh, "Did you pass this by, Kenny?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that might be the 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 story is that Kenny and Jay White in New Japan have like storyline beef. I I don't really know. I haven't followed New Japan. And then he really got in the COVID ring for story. Rampage, and he did his um he did his finisher. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. I'll get familiarized with it over the next mm-hmm. months. But uh, it was on Tremperetta. He did it at Tremperetta. Yeah, yeah, because Rapongi Vice had a match and they lost. Um, so yeah, Jay White's around. Uh, whether it's a permanent thing uh, every week remains to be seen. Uh, but somebody who I do think is going to be here as a focal point is Limitless Keith Lee, who debuted in about as perfect of debut as you could have, wouldn't you say? Yeah, um, it was base. It was basically. <laughs> I'll tell you the funniest part. So. 
I mean, everybody knows about the crazy move in the middle where Isaiah, he wrestled Isaiah Oh, Cass. the hip toss that sends him to the moon. <laughs> like an overhead throw, yeah. and like Isaiah Cassidy literally goes from one turnbuckle to the other. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Keith Lee better the, have taken private party out to dinner after that. <laughs> the funny, the funniest part for me was Matt, Big Money Matt Hardy is obviously <laughs> they're in the H A A H F O. I can't say it. Ah, <laughs> the ah F O. And the AFO. <laughs> but so he's ringside for private party because this is a um, qualifier for the Face of the Revolution ladder match. Yep. Keith Lee's beating his ass, and Matt Hardy immediately leaves. <laughs> it's like in, it's like in, like it's like in youth basketball when your kid's getting his ass kicked yep. by the other, and you're just like walk off. You're like, I need to get popcorn. I can't watch. This. Yep, yep, yeah. Like a couple years ago, when my son was a junior, uh, our basketball, his basketball team was really bad, and we played one of the top teams in the state. And by halftime, it was like forty nine to seven. And I was just like, listen, it's a road game. He's got to take the bus home anyways. We should just go. <laughs> but I did stay because I at least wanted to see like a dunk or two, you know? Like, I know the feeling because I, I, I wanted to play baseball as a kid, but I was not good at it. All I could do was bunt and base run. <laughs> I was on the C team. The C mm. team. <laughs> like, there, there is no C team anymore. Right. <laughs> there are only travel teams. But, um, yeah, I was terrible. But, you know, like you try to gut through it as a parent. Yeah. And mine did. God bless them because they're great. Pe- they were great people. But that one was hard to watch for Matt Hardy. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> he, funny. He was like, "I'm done with this." Now Cassidy got his spots, and there were some nice moments. Yeah. And then there was a moment where after the match, when Keith Lee beat him uh, to qualify, uh, who's the what's the other name? Mark, uh, Mark Quinn. Yeah, Mark Quinn tried to um, get in there, and he tried to do it. But he caught him. Yeah. And he which is awesome. on the other guy. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Just a great, just a great introduction of like, yeah, this is what this dude can do. Yep, yep, and and, and they didn't even show it all yet, you know, because like he hasn't really go over any, you know. He's so. had matches for those who are not familiar with him. He's had matches with Matt Riddle on the independent scene that are unbelievable. Oh yeah, I saw one live. It was incredible. Uh, yes, at, uh, evolve. So. Oh my god. Yeah. So good. So good. Um, so yeah, these guys are here. Um, Keith Lee is now qualified for the uh, Face of the Revolution ladder match, and he might win. Who knows? Um, have, have anyone has anyone else qualified yet? Obviously, Wardlow's going to qualify. Wardlow's going to because he's wrestling Max Caster, poor yeah. soul. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and by the time this episode airs, we might have some more qualifying matches confirmed because, as oh, always, uh, we miss one. Dynamite, um, uh, so. There's one coming up between Powerhouse Hobbs and Dante Martin on oh. Rampage. Mm. That's close. I would guess. I would guess Dante Martin wins that just because they got some beef in there already. With my my prediction is um, Hobbs, so that Martin can wrestle Starks at the pay per view. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. That would be be my call. Dante Martin's been missing for a couple weeks, so yeah, he's been on dark. I just saw him on dark elevation. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um. So again, you know, uh, it feels like we've cooled down a little bit with the debuts, but now that we get a couple more. It becomes that fun guessing game of like, oh, are they going to come have some more? Because we talked about Josh Alexander with the visa issues. Um, Dalton Castle is available. Tony Storm's 90 days is up. Uh, one that I think we might see is uh, formerly Ember Moon, known as Athena. Uh, her 90 days is up, and she's wrestling that. that she wrestled sh- Thunder Rosa. Yeah, that's the show that Steve Willie went to. So, Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, How was of, it? Lot, uh, he said it was really good. Uh, I think his kids yeah. fell asleep. But um, – <laughs> But a lot of AEW talent on that show, so interesting. I, I think that she's somebody 
you know, we talked about the hard cap and stuff, but they could use a dynamic female signing. Ember Moon could come in right away and feud with Jade or Britt Baker and maybe even beat Britt Baker. I don't know. Is, I, I got to tell you one that's going to be a debut from an independent wrestle that happened over the weekend. It was mm-hmm. in a show similar to that uh, called Defy, um, D-E-F-Y. Mm-hmm. And this was really Oh, weird. the guy who got the contract? Yeah, Darby yeah. Allen goes, and he mm-hmm. offers a contract to a guy named Nick Wayne, whose father and grandfather had wrestled in the past. Yeah. Here's the crazy thing. He is 16 years old. He started wrestling when he was 12. Yeah, I mean, well, Dante Martin's, what, 19? Like, that's... Now, I've seen I've seen clips of him. He's he's good. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a high flyer. But um, six foot one, 162 pounds right now. But they basically are going to... It's like an apprenticeship. So he's going to wait out to you almost like – not like Stevenson with WWE because he's going to wrestle when he's done, when he's yeah. done in Minnesota. But, like, um, but yeah, that pretty much they basically sealed him up. I remember Lane Kiffin did this when he coached at USC where he gave a contract to a kid who was like 13 years old yeah, or a, a scholarship offer. Wow. Um, another one too. I mean if Keith Lee's here, like his, his new wife, Mia Yim, I mean mm-hmm. she's got to be freed up pretty soon as well, you know. Right. So – uh, it could be interesting. Um, again, by the time this episode airs, maybe some of these people were appeared. I don't know. Uh, I think of those names. I think Ember Moon is the one that makes the most sense to me. Like, fill, fills a need with a babyface female, um, and she's already available for ninety days, and she's already back in the ring. So I think that one makes sense to me. Dalton Dalton Castle would be cool, but that would immediately disqualify Effie. You can't yeah. have them both. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like ha- it. It would be like having two like um uh. What's the like, word I'm trying to look for? Uh, like defend like two, three, and D guys, or like yeah. <laughs> two like two big offensive linemen. Like you can't have both. Right, right. Yeah, if you, <laughs> the you flame point the flame point wrestler, you can only have one. Yeah, you you already re- recruited a left tackle. Now you got to get a a strong safety. You know. <laughs> and uh and look, Lince Dorado and Grand Metal League are very talented. Grand Metal League was amazing in the Cruiserweight Classic when he debuted in WWE. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to do what what's his face did from Lucha House Party when he showed up at AEW and just shit and the just bed. Blew, yeah, just blew his. <laughs> Who was his? What was his name in it WWE? Was, I, it was Kalisto, right? Kalisto, but yeah. I don't remember his name when he. I mean, it was Samurai one night. Samurai del Sol. Oh wow! I think oh he was terrible. Yeah, he's I, not good. You need to be more like the Alabama one, Fuego. Fuego's actually. Fuego. Pretty good. I like Serpentico too. I think he's interesting. I you saw know, a match on Dark where Serpentico was getting yelled at by Luther, and I think they've always done that. But mm-hmm. they were doing it in Orlando, which is a much smaller audience and also family-friendly audience because they're visiting from Universal Studios, sure. and they they had the funny like he was just yelling at him at the top of his lungs serpentico was like okay i get it i get it and <laughs> luther is like punch him in the brain punch him in the brain and it, the whole crowd is laughing like they were really like feeding it it's almost like brain. do you know that famous one where jushin liger sticks his thumb up the guy's ass <laughs> and it's like an ass train going on in in uh, pwg it was like a comedy spot yeah yeah, yeah. gotcha um gosh i feel like we're jumping around here i mean should we talk about the fact that cm punk lost his Chicago to MJF, like, I mean, we can go right into into the big celebration promo that kicked off Dynamite afterwards. Um, Yes. And and it kind of, I thought it was well done. Um, You and I talked that it was, that promo and the inner circle one, there was a little too much uh, advancement via words. Like, there was a whole lot to be said. You you know what I'm saying? Like they just had it's like they were recapping every step of the way. You could could have left some of those steps out, but I think they knew a lot of people were tuning in to see the debuts, the, yeah, the surprises. Yeah, I had less of a problem with the MJF stuff, but then when the 
did the same thing with the inner circle. I was like, all right, knock this off. Uh, yes. But yeah, MJF and, and crew come out. Uh, Wardlow does not get music. He comes out by himself with the cutouts, and then everyone else is introduced. Um, <laughs> the the introduction for MJF is great, banging rats and stuff. Macho King. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he comes out on the throne, uh, and he celebrates. And of course, Punk breaks it up and basically says, I want to rematch. Wardlow is the one that beat me, not you. Uh, sets up... Uh, Darby and Sting come out to help him and uh, sets up a match that I thought ended up being really good. M- uh, the FTR against Punk and a mystery partner, which ended up being John Moxley. And if Punk's team wins, he gets a rematch against MJF. And he did win, and boy, was that a fun match. It was about 15 minutes. And the, re- the recap got a ton of views because obviously it's Mox and Punk. Yep. They're two of the most popular wrestlers in the company. Yep. Um, and and like like listen, these are the people that you like. We keep saying the sports fan. This is the ones you spend the cap for. Like yep. these are the people you get for things like this. And ooh, what a match! Like an awesome old school tag match where yep. a lot of false the, finishes, a lot of false finishes. Um, hot tags, the yep. fake hot tag. Yep. Just so much good stuff. A lot of nice moments. There was one where Punk tries to do the dive. I think it was uh, Cash Wheeler who caught him, and then Moxley does the dive on both of them. Just really cool stuff there was um the doomsday device that punk and uh they were in atlantic city so it wasn't chicago i was thinking of the previous show so i was thinking legion of doom but um punk and moxley doing the doomsday device on dax was so fucking that was so cool yeah it was really great and to wheel back for that um punk uh mjf match the surprise the finish didn't surprise me what surprised me was how long it was yeah. I was very surprised at how long it wasn't a bad match. I thought it was an excellent match. I just was. I just didn't think it was going to go thirty to forty minutes like right. that. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I thought it was well done. Um, I even think too having Mox as the as the partner is pretty cool because he's kind of this solo guy, and you're like, well, what's the connection there? But if you remember when Moxie went to rehab, that first episode it kind of broke on a Wednesday. Punk came out and started the show with a promo and talked about John Moxley and kind of talked him up. So mm-hmm. even though that's not acknowledges why, it makes sense if you just watch the TV. You know, Punk went to bat for him while he was gone, and he's got his back now that he's here. So I thought that was yeah, really, the really only, cool. Yeah, the only bad moment was that um, Punk was trying to pick up Tully Blanchard. Yeah. And Tully, I mean, listen, Tully's in his 60s. He's not as coordinated yep. as he used to be. And they was like, they were like not on the same page about when to lift him. Yeah, he tried like <laughs> twice to get him up for the GTS. Right, right, right. But yeah. I mean, that was it. Everything yeah. else was pitch perfect yeah it was pitch an awesome perfect. match so so the we're gonna get another that they hit was perfect yeah, too so we're gonna get another punk mjf uh which leaves the door we talked about with either one of the children for the title but we had that question answered because hangman page defended his title successfully against uh, the murderhawk monster in a texas death match uh, which i thought was pretty clever uh you know he hits the buckshot right away so then dan lambert comes out where they're both laying there bleeding and takes the top rope off to take the buckshot away which i thought was really yes unique like at first i didn't think i thought they were gonna do like try to use the spike and then i'm like oh i get what he's doing that's so cool you know and then it led to the creative finish where he still hit the buckshot by bouncing springboarding off a bent over referee who was picking up a piece of barbed wire so uh, so violent yeah they throw him i mean archer right from the start well first of all hangman jumps him yeah and throws him through a plate of glass like (laughs) akin to shane mcmahon that's literally how them starts (laughs) in uh the king of the ring i don't i don't know i'm sure who's the people listening to remember this but kurt angle tried to throw shane mcmahon into a plate of glass but it wasn't sugar glass yeah and i'm pretty sure this was sugar glass that uh that that archer went through but he blades hard like he is 
bleeding all over the place from the start. Then like Paige had like he like bladed over the his eye like over his eyebrow or something because he was just like hit the top of his head was clean. He but was gushing though, bro. His nose down was like blood, 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 blood. It was yeah. it was nasty. Like the craziest move I saw from the last two weeks. Lance Archer from the apron gives his finisher to oh. Paige the blackout on the side of the steel steps, which are, it's tilted, mm-hmm. and he just bounces like a basketball hangman. Oh. It's so brutal. There, there, I was like, God, that hurt. The margin for error for that had to be so small. Like, what a... Almost like a needless bump for your champion to take, but man, it was so vicious. So vicious. Hangman does a plancha, and Archer's whacks him in the head with a fucking trash lid. Yep. <laughs> it's just, like, awesome, just old school let's beat the crap out of yep. each other brawl yeah it was really like, good i would highly recommend this one too yep and then of course hangman page wins and at the end adam cole comes out uh to essentially establish i'm challenging for this title so let's go yeah adam cole go. yeah adam cole versus hangman page which i think should be a heck of a match that so, should be the main yeah i know mjf punk rematch might be the main but this uh, i mean I think they'll end with maybe the world you, title Maybe match. you can promote it as a double main event. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they'll probably end it with a title match. So, uh, But yeah, and I, I think it's the right move for Cole, you know, because I have no real problem with how Cole's being used, but some of the critics of AEW, the people who are just not going to like it no matter what, are basically saying he's not being taken seriously enough because he's feuding with Orange Cassidy and doing, like, goofy stuff. And so, I mean, what's more serious than getting in a – 15 minute brawl with the world champ where you're both going to bleed buckets, you know? Yeah. So. And Archer, listen, Archer was out for a while yeah. and, um, he's able to get, he comes back and this is a great push for him. And I don't think he's just completely out of the equation yet. Yeah. You know, I like Dan Lambert as this Bobby Heenan type to, to, to hang me at Hogan yeah. or to any other title holders. Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I just want to beat you. I don't care who I manage. I just want to beat you. Yeah. I want that. I want the championship. Well, you know, something else too is almost uh, a weird, like possible hint at Jake Roberts leaving Archer and becoming a baby. Yeah. There's where, a tease there. Yeah. He's trying to DDT page and. Archer wouldn't let him do it, and the crowd booed him for it. <laughs> you know, they wanted to and see... And then Hangman does it. Yeah, yeah, they want to see Jake hit a DDT, so... I don't know where they would go with that, but... Uh, you know... More Jake promos are fine by me. I think he does a good job there. I don't know that it would work as a babyface, but... You know, he's got the, the experience. Um, some other stuff we got going on angle-wise is... Uh, the inner circle uh, is falling apart, and I think that's pretty much run its course. That's fine. So we had the big meeting where the inner circle comes out together to Jericho's music then Santana and Ortiz come out separately uh and Santana cuts a really good pro or was it Ortiz uh it was Santana yeah he cut a really good promo um, he goes in on him yeah, yeah basically saying he literally like, grabs him by the throat and chokes him yeah he's basically saying like everything that we've done has been for you and nothing has helped us and he's he's right <laughs> you know what I mean like <laughs> and Jericho kind of plays it off and Jericho seems to be like going heel here like uh, long story short, Sammy quits, says, I'm not going to be a part of this. You guys figure it out. I'll come back when it's sorted. And then we have tag match, which will have already happened by the time this episode airs. Uh, Jericho and Hager versus uh, Santana and Ortiz. Uh, I'll call it now. I think Santana and Ortiz win. And this might be how we write off Jake Hager, because if the inner circle is gone, what purpose does he serve? You know, this might be how yeah. we get rid of Jake Hager permanently. So. Yeah, and attendance. Remember, attendance is mandatory. Yeah, yeah. Now that <laughs> I said that, ever, he probably you, goes over. Have clean. you ever had a? Because um, you have you have kids. Like, have you ever had a family meeting? Um. Yeah. Sure. 
Has a family meeting ever ended positively? <laughs> Not often, and especially if no, someone wears white it face never. I, I had three siblings. <laughs> yeah. We had a family meeting. That means someone did something wrong. Yeah, yeah. Somebody's, <laughs> somebody's like, we're going to have a team meeting. Players only meeting, guys. Right. It's like, oh, okay, we're going to fight now. <laughs> right, exactly. So, but, uh, yeah, uh, I think it's a fine time to to end the inner circle i think the inner circle is kind of run its course i don't know what more they can do certainly not with jericho as the leader uh and i think it opens up santana and ortiz and hopefully they maybe do something with them because i think they're a really good tag team so if you're out of the inner circle you're an you're an audi and not an any yeah an audi square <laughs> <laughs> and sammy Guevara is kind of in that weird floater position where He's in the inner circle. It's like almost these uh, New Japan factions like Chaos and uh, yeah. what's the other really uh, Suzuki. Yeah, Suzuki Gun, Los Angeles. Yeah, no. like where like yeah. he's a member, but he has bigger fish to fry. Sure. You know, I get that. Yeah. So, And I think that's a nice way of kind of keeping him out of the story because it's Santana Ortiz versus Jericho. And I think what we'll see is these guys beat him and probably link up with Eddie Kingston, which I think is a more interesting faction for them moving forward. As a... Yeah, and for those who don't know, um, Eddie Kingston fractured his orbital bone at a match on Dark about a month ago. That's why he's been out. Yep, yep. So uh, that's pretty much the big stories that hit. I mean, Jade Cargill beat somebody again. That was a newer person. Uh, yeah, AQA, AQA who had like – um. She was around in NXT for a little bit. Um, she did hit a shooting star press, which yeah. I never see a lot of females do. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. But I didn't think she looked horrible. Um, oh, the other thing is uh, we saw a, a promo from Penta uh, because the House of Black beat him and Pac. And so Penta went and dug up in a graveyard uh, a mask. Uh, I don't know the significance of that because I don't know a lot of Penta outside of Lucha Underground. But I guess he's going to a darker place now. So does that mean he will only wrestle on dark? Yeah, it was the Samurai Del Sol mask. <laughs> <laughs> if it was a Fuego Del Sol, it was like it's like oh, I'm going to dark. I can only go. Here's a ticket to Orlando. Yeah. But um, but yeah, Pento Oscuro. I yeah. I've, I looked it up, and I don't think they've ever used this version of the word like penta Oscuro, but they we have seen pentagon dark in the past yeah uh one other thing that i thought was pretty interesting is they had a match with nyla rose and ruby soho which i would have guessed was ruby soho winning especially since like the one of the singers from ranton was there yeah nyla beat her decisively so Mm -hmm. i guess they're kind of heating her up for uh something Uh, nyla hit a swanton off the top rope honestly i've come around on nyla rose i think she's really improved and uh i think she's a pretty effective monster Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, is there anything else really we need to hit on, like, majorly? I mean, the ratings, uh, there was a situation where um, the Dynamite did beat Raw in the 18 to 49, but it does come with an asterisk because yeah, and I think because Raw was on sci-fi because of the Winter Olympics. Now, their most recent, Raw's most recent one, obviously Dynamite hasn't taken place yet, but Raw's most recent one on sci-fi was much, much better, almost in line when they're on USA. So, mm-hmm. especially with, like we had talked about, they're getting close to WrestleMania. There's all this, you know, stuff going on, talking about, you know, maybe Cody going there, maybe Steve Austin going there. You you would expect ratings bumps for, for Raw and SmackDown as you get closer to... Uh, to um wrestlemania so i i wonder if maybe the ante is going to be 
upped. The other thing that just happened, I don't even know if you knew this, but I just put it in my notes, is that um, there will be another Battle of the Belts. It will be in Garland, Texas, hmm. um, the same week that they're actually in New Orleans. So they're going to be in New Orleans on April 13th. I will not be there because I'm in Orlando because they rebooked this freaking date for New Orleans <laughs> eight times, and they picked the one where I'm out of town once out of 52 weeks. But um, anyways, they go to Garland, Texas later that week um, for Rampage and Battle, of the, and they're going to tape Battle of the Belts, and that'll air, um, that'll air, I think, on April the 16th. So there's going to be another one. I didn't like the first one yeah, in Charlotte, it was so hopefully this one's better. Show. Yeah. Right. It, 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 I, I think they like Garland, though. Like, that's like the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where WWE did their first pay-per-view with fans back in 21. That was Money in the Bank. So, like, it's a really robust market, and they you know they know they can get a good crowd. And they've already been there, like, three times since they were – like, twice before since they returned to fans. So, that, you know, just uh, overall, just, like, kind of, like, general stuff. Uh, the gun club have lost their feud, their short little mini feud. That's a Jurassic Express kind of seems to be working short, swift programs where they maybe mess with a team for a week or two and then beat them pretty decisively. I'm, yeah. I'm fine with that. If you know, if they don't the, have um, anything big to bite into. They also announced that the Owen Hart uh, Memorial tournaments, because there's the men's and the women's one, they're going to start for the in the Dynamite in Long Island, which is going to go back. They're going to go back there in May. Okay. So that's when it starts because I would imagine that it's going to blow off at the Double or Nothing show, which is at the end of May. Gosh, in my mind, um, that seems far away, but March is like just around the corner. So, um, What do you think of this Shane McMahon thing? I got to get your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bizarre. I mean, for those who are listening, you might know Shane McMahon was in the Royal Rumble, and it came out that apparently he was a huge nuisance backstage, kind of like rebooking everything and demanding to look better and better and better better and it showed like he was like one of the last few people in there and uh they ended up firing him <laughs> so like i don't think it's a thing like he's not gonna go work for any so other people company. like vince will never choose his stars over his sons i'm yeah. like no but he'll choose money over his son right <laughs> yeah yeah and if brock and roman say i can't work i i don't work like this brother guess what you're out yeah and shane learned the hard way that's why i joked about him basically creating this triumvirate of like of a weird yeah. third i think there's room in america in the north america for a third promotion i think it would be i think it would have bad early returns yeah i don't know I if there's, there's room on cable television but i think that there's enough of a market i mean just look at how many free agents that we talk about oh they could hear that, rumors that mlw's mlw's trying to beef it up but yeah. i don't know how true that is and right. impact's done okay i yeah. feel like they've stabilized they actually are having pay-per-view called no surrender in new orleans like on the 19th hmm, so okay. not going to it <laughs> <laughs> it's a wild wait, no, Josh, to... wait you can blame the truckers because they blocked josh alexander from getting to <laughs> new orleans so now i can't go <laughs> if you're listening and you're someone who buys an impact pay-per-view in 2022 let us know who you are because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'd like to pick your brain about some things. Like not, that's not even a knockout on impact, but like as much as I like AEW, I'm still like, oh, fifty bucks. Like I'm still yes. hesitant to drop for AEW and like impact. Who's who's buying that? Who's buying that? You know, like whatever. You got to be a real. I mean, you have to have Impact Plus. You have to be like yeah. hard 
core. Um, yeah. The only other thing is like Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen, another four pillar interchange. Yeah, that match will have happened by the time we are. Yeah, they're yeah. going to be meeting up. Mercedes Martinez and Thunder Rose are going to wrestle again, but this time it's no DQ, so might see color. Yeah. Um, and then the we already talked about that Martin is going to wrestle Hobbs on Rampage. Jay White and Trent Beretta. Rampage is. Uh... The slam dunk contest is this weekend, so Rampage is like 7 o'clock instead of 10 o'clock, correct? Yeah, they're moving it because yeah, they so got the Rising Stars Challenge on Friday. That's and right. Yeah, not the dunk contest. Saturday is slam, the slam dunk contest and the three-point the three contest is my favorite. Yeah. So if you're but, listening um, to us the day we drop, uh, Rampage tonight is uh, much earlier than usual. So. Six six p.m. my time, 7, 7 p.m. my Eastern. time, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like that'll uh, – I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they'll do something basketball. Remember when they came out in the Space oh, Jam yeah. uniforms? That was pretty cool. Charlotte? That was pretty cool. That was funny. That was funny. Yeah. So, um, and just kind of think, like, if there were some matches to watch that I didn't, that we didn't talk about, um, I, I really liked Ricky Starks, absolute Ricky Starks versus Lethal on mm-hmm. Rampage. That was a very nice match. I, I, I'd like them to find ways to get Jay Lethal on TV more. He's if good. It, yeah. And remember, Cody put Jay Lethal over. Yep. Avoid, avoid, avoid. The cut, avoid, the avoid, avoid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically saying you got the best finisher in the business, you know. So Right. Which means Cody's getting hit with an RKO in his first first segment <laughs> on Raw. <laughs> oh man. And but here's the thing with Cody. Ooh, maybe Legacy's just, getting back together. Maybe we could wrap oh Ted DiBiase Jr. jail. But oh, um, is he really? <laughs> He got involved, him and his father and Brett DiBiase got involved in a money scamming deal that actually involved Brett Favre in oh, Mississippi. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, I'd have to send you the article, but basically, Tate Reeves, the governor of Mississippi, had to make a decision on who to prosecute, and he didn't prosecute Brett Favre, but he prosecuted the DiBiase. Oh my God. And it had to do with scamming like people for like public appearances and things like that, that and church money and things like, things like they, that they never did. Yeah, and, oh, yeah, Ted DiBiase was big in the church kit, you know, like yes, yeah. and and uh, and the thing was for Favre, like he had like basically taken in millions of dollars for public appearances that he never did, but the difference was that he gave the money back, so they didn't prosecute him. But oh, okay. and also they, they don't. He's like he's the he is the this is so off topic, but like he is like the pride of Kill Mississippi. Yeah. They were not going to prosecute him. Yeah, in you prosecute state. him, you're not getting elected again. <laughs> yeah, that's like prosecuting Barry Sanders in Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, wow, that's interesting. So Ted DiBiase's not in for legacy. I guess they get Seekus kid again. Yeah. <laughs> or now, we, now we know why. Now we know why he was so willing to give that belt to Cameron Grimes. He was trying to sell it. <laughs> you're the million dollar man now. Gabriel Grimes is in jail in Louisiana right now as we speak. That's another one, man. Trevor Lee, aka Cameron Grimes. Yeah. That dude gets let go. <laughs> Get yeah. that dude in a heartbeat. He was a big, big like. If you look at the uh, kind of like the Southern indie belt, like uh, the <clears throat> uh, the Scenic City Invitational, that crowd, like Dylan Hales and Chad Campbell and those guys. Trevor Lee was big in those guys' circles. Yes. Uh, big guy so yeah and they're going south in the and we're not gonna have to talk about too much because we'll we'll get to it later but they're going back south in, in the pretty much the entire month of march he'd like, come back Florida. as trevor lee and they could de- debut him as keith lee's brother oh wow <laughs> <laughs> it's like the new dudley's <laughs> but from, dude that that gives us four lees 
We have Trevor Lee, Keith Lee, Lee Johnson, Shotty Lee, Lee Moriarty. Yeah. We need to just we need just have have the Lees. Yeah. Like, can you imagine just those four? They would beat the shit out of everybody. Forget John Moxley and <clears throat> Brian Danielson. Just put those four together. Right. You'd run the freaking the thing. I will say this in regard to Lee Johnson and Lee Mor Big Shotty Lee and Lee Moriarty. Two awesome wrestlers. Yeah. They were also apprentices of Cody Rhodes in the Nightmare Factory, and he helped bring them along, along with Arn Anderson as the manager. I wonder if they're going to change direction on him a little bit. Not to push them, like yeah. tweak it a little. Yeah, I, I even wonder if we'll see Arn on TV for, for a minute. You know, like he did kind of transition away from Cody and be more like with um, uh, his son, who is Look, just many- him. I mean... Look, how many Super Bowls has Bill Belichick won without Tom Brady? Right, exactly. None. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, once you get – I'm not saying Cody Rhodes is Tom Brady. I'm not saying WWE got Tom Brady. They may have gotten 44-year-old Tom Brady. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, but look, good for good for Cody Rhodes, Cody Runnels, like, you know, and Brandy. You got the bag. You secured it. You got the money now. You're going to be in WrestleMania in front of probably a hundred to eighty thousand people, thanks to Stone Cold. Mm-hmm. But let's just see how it works out. And you know, the Forbidden Door. I, you know, <laughs> the funny thing is, like now, and this is sort of the the main thread of this entire episode because of the Cody news breaking, is that we just finally see a situation that you had talked about when we did our predictions for twenty. 20- yep. That we finally have one that actually went through the forbidden door the other way, and now we, you know, you see a lot of hurt feelings. But at the end, I keep saying it. At the end of the day, it's business, right? Well, it takes me back to before the rumble. We had talked about how there was rumors that WWE was going to get on on that forbidden door action, and we're talking about a prominent person, blah blah. blah. That had to be Cody, right? Like mm-hmm. they were just whoever they could find, whatever. Yeah. Look, off topic again with football. LSU did this with Brian Kelly. You just get whatever's not chained to the wall. Yeah. Like, and at some point you just say, look, uh, name the price. I'll give it to you. Yeah. And Brian Kelly said yes, and we scoop, we, we poached him. Yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, this, let's just call a spade a spade. And that's basically what WWE did. Did AEW poach Adam Cole? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's, let's be honest. Yep. WCW and and Danielson, w- really. I mean. That's hard to say. Punk, like, I punk feel not like, so much. I, I WWE like had no leverage with Punk. Conscientious decision. The thing is, the the point that you're trying to make that is valid is that WWE felt like he was ours yeah. and you stole. Like that's how it felt. Punk didn't feel that way. Punk oh, felt punk like not at all. No. No. Like that was like a whole nother thing. You know, it wasn't like when Dennis Rodman went to the Bulls, like because he played. Well, he played on Planet. He played on Planet Voltron <laughs> at mm-hmm. times, depending on what he was on. Right. But um. But he was with the Spurs. Michael Jordan retired. Right. You know, and he said, okay, I'll come back. He didn't exactly. leave somewhere else. Agreed. Yeah. So, I mean, it should be an interesting couple of weeks, too. You know, we're talking about, again, the day that all this Cody Rhodes stuff breaks. I think over the course of the next week, by the time our next podcast comes out, we'll have learned a lot more information. And I think that if WWE is going to do something with him, he'll have signed by then, honestly. Because they're going to want to debut him and get him on WrestleMania. Why not? Yeah. You know, and, and or, or the night to, after, you know. And when it comes to dynamites, I felt like the last two two weeks was one in, was like one and one. I felt like the one in Chicago minus the CM Punk was kind of a, match eh. was kind of a stinker. Yeah. Like I, I was like, okay, that was whatever. The one in Atlantic City was fantastic. Like it was just a nonstop roller coaster of a show. So, yeah. and I got to say, this one coming up in I, I think they're in Nashville, Tennessee. Um. They, it's going to be a hell of like it, the card looks great 
Brian Danielson's wrestling Lee Moriarty, Lee Moriarty yeah, for God's sake. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we'll have the, the tag match with Santana Ortiz versus. I don't. I don't know if that match will be good, but it's a significant match. Character based, yeah. right? It's yeah. going to have an angle that's. Important. And then we got Sammy and Darby too, right? Yes, so. and I think Mercedes and Thunder Rosa, uh, dude, Mercedes Martinez, you talk about snug. I know she got yeah. that kick to the face from Zia Lee uh, that gave her a concussion. Man, like uh, she did like an avalanche Death Valley driver in the last one they wrestled. And I was like, that yeah. looked yeah. So I don't know what they're going to do. Thunder Rosa loves to brawl. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it could be interesting. So, uh, again, I guess it's a good time to end it here. I mean, we kind of spilled... All our thoughts, not probably not even all our thoughts, but all our immediate thoughts on Cody. Uh, it's fun, though. You know, it's, it's yeah. a fun time to be a wrestling fan. Uh, again, him going off AEW TV is no loss to me. It's a loss to the company. Me as a fan, I, I could take or leave him anyways. You Symbolically, know? it's a loss. Right. But like I was saying, kind of at the top of the show, I was talking with Steve Willie today. And where it's not a loss is the sense of... If you pick and choose, okay, if I tell you CM Punk or Cody Rhodes, who would you rather watch a promo of right now? You're going to pick CM Punk. Same thing with Danielson. Same thing probably with Adam Cole. Uh, And really, Cody's far down on that list right now, so it might be the best thing for him to leave and see if he can make a go of it in WWE again. My hope for him is that he doesn't sign anything long-term because, again, WWE changing radically is not something I see happening. So maybe he just does a year. Uh, reinvents himself there comes never back. say never yeah never say never pro wrestling and the thing too is that and i'll leave this for you to chew on um and the listeners like say cody rhodes okay i'll stay in aw okay what do you do with him now yeah like it, like there's an emptiness there and that's i i think she, he felt the same you mm-hmm. know and it was not untenable irreparable would be the word i say i agree yeah I think it's a good way to cap it. Uh, so uh, for Andrew, uh, I'm Jordan Duncan. Uh, this is episode 12, and uh, in case you haven't figured it out, well, we're only smoking mirrors. That was a very dashing finish. <laughs> I can't think of it either.
chance, leave everything behind. 